Hey, and welcome back to the Midlife Crisis Task Force. I am Rando. And I'm Poncho. And I'm Lefty. And we are here tonight to empty our brains all over you. Uh, <laughs> we, we, have a, we have another uh, hopefully fantastic episode of Trash for the Masses coming up. But first... First, we have to pay our respects to uh, the dearly departed. And uh, we're only two weeks into 2023, and they're already, celebrities are already dropping left and right. The two we wanted to mention, first off is uh, Jeff Beck, who um, was one of the great guitarists to come out of Britain in the 1960s. Um, really, he's up there with Hendrix, with Clapton, with Stevie Ray Vaughan. He was one of the great guitar players. Never quite had the top 40 success that some of his peers had. He tended to be a little more, play more instrumental music, a little more jazz fusion, but really an incredible player, incredible set of chops. And he, his big starting success, wasn't that with the Yardbirds? Yes, he was with the Yardbirds, yep. which uh, he, yep. I think he joined that band after Eric Clapton left. And I believe then, that's right. Before Jimmy Page joined. Yeah, it wasn't that very long. It was like less than two years, if I recall my reading correctly. Very long at all. Um, yeah. But he went on to do some solo records. Uh, Rod Stewart got his start singing on Jeff Beck's first couple of albums. Yep. Uh, before him and Ron Wood left to join to uh, start the Faces. Put out a bunch of jazz fusion records in the 70s. Played with just about everybody. He's really, I mean, missed. Really great player. Uh, I yeah. really wish I had gotten into his music before now. He's just one of those guys that I always knew he was there, and I just never really focused on him. But that's a mistake I'm going to have to correct in the coming weeks. Oh, yes. Yeah. Same here. I'm going to listen to more of his stuff. Just to, I had listened to his first album a long time ago, but I don't remember much on it other than Rod Stewart was singing on a couple of songs. So I need to go back and listen to that again but yeah he was kind of one of those guys in the background he yeah. you know everybody he was one of those well-respected musicians and he had his his had his own groove and i think you know just he was well respected in the music industry and it's a shame that you know he's no longer with us yeah yeah and the other uh passing we wanted to mention was uh lisa murray presley who died a couple days after Chuck um jeff beck did unexpectedly at age 54 of cardiac arrest um kind of scary because she's only a couple years older than we are yes uh, lisa was lisa marie was she had a music career toward the end of her life and i think got some critical claim i've never heard it listened to any of her music she was mainly famous for being elvis's daughter right and, um and she married michael jackson for a little while which kind of freaked everybody out <laughs> yeah that, that that caused its own little controversial storm yeah that's um, a whole that's a whole nother that, ball that's action. a whole thing that that's enough that could be a movie or a book just that yeah seriously and apparently i didn't realize she was married to nicholas cage for a few months as well oh god that's right i forgot about that. oh i did not know that i did not know that either but um wow yeah uh yeah the she sad thing marry. about her is that uh she i'm, I'm sorry uh, i was just thinking I, I've seen some pictures of her at the Golden Globes, and she looked like—I mean, frankly, she looked like hell. I'm surprised yeah. that that you know there wasn't more encouragement from either her entourage or from her mama, because her mama's still around. 
And her mama uh, looked to, really good for being 77 years old. Yeah, I would she not. She did. I've seen some pictures. I saw the pictures of her. Good Lord. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of shocked that, that people weren't pressing her even harder to go to the hospital before her first cardiac event before she died. Right. Who knows? Maybe, you know, nobody don't obviously don't nothing about her. Maybe she's one of those persons you couldn't tell anything to. She's going to do what she wanted. I mean, who knows? You know, I, I won't do want to mention. Like Priscilla. Exactly. Yeah. I do want to mention Priscilla real quick and what that woman's been through. She's lost her husband, a grandchild, now her daughter. Yeah. And that's a lot of loss in her time. Yeah. So really, right. I really feel sorry for her. My thoughts go out to her and her family and just, you know. And Lisa's, Lisa Marie's kids, she had, well, she had a son who committed suicide, but she had three living daughters as well, so. Right. At least so. at least there's that that Priscilla can, for lack of a better term, cling to and, and love as her family. So, yeah, she's she definitely has been through her share of shit. Yeah, she has. So anyway, on to... Hopefully more pleasant topics. Uh, Brando, this is your movie to pick. So what are we watching today? <laughs> you suckers. You're in my power now. We are all going to be subjected to a movie known as The Mutations, at least on Amazon. It has another title called, I believe, The Freak Makers. Uh, it stars, uh, as its top build stars, Donald Pleasance and Tom Baker. Uh, that Tom Baker, Doctor Who himself. This movie is looks like a lovely British cheeseball horror film. Hoping it's the case. I'm deathly afraid it's going to be boring, but we'll find out because this is this is the first time for all of us seeing this film. Yep. Yeah, it's it's Fresh got eyes. potential just from looking at some of the still photos and stuff. It's got the potential to be great, but you know, and the uh, yeah, the trailer of yes had potential too. I just, want, <laughs> I just want to throw that in. That it did, in. but unfortunately it lived up to its name. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, and uh, this movie came out in uh, 1974. And for those in the know, uh, that is the same year that Tom Baker took up the mantle of Doctor Who. So this might have been possibly his last uh, acting credit for like a film or TV series before he took on the role of Doctor Who. I don't know if he got to do any stage work or not. They say uh, he was working as a, a cement worker uh, in construction uh, when he got the call that, that he got the part of Doctor Who. So this should be, you know, I say should, knocking on wood, which is my head, uh, should be a very interesting film, if nothing else. All right. oh, no doubt. Yeah. All right, well, let's get to it. Um, we'll be back after the break. <laughs> Godspeed to all of us. Exactly. <laughs> dun, dun, Good dun. Luck. <laughs> Good luck, everyone. And that was the mutations. Holy shit. What a... that, that was not good. <laughs> Very bad. Very bad. No. Oh, man. Just the things that went on in it. All right. First and foremost, uh, the guy who played the ring ringmaster of the freak show, A, he's a good actor. Right. I wish he had gotten more roles. I really miss him 
as uh, Miguelito on on the Wild Wild West, the, one of the one of the returning antagonists. He's a good actor. This is just a bad film. But unfortunately, because he was a little person, I would I have to guess that he found good roles where he could really chew the scenery with other actors were few and far between. Yeah. 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 Most people who weren't familiar with Wild Wild West would know him from an episode of Star Trek. Agreed. Yes. Yes. I can't remember the and name. He did a good job in that too, despite those uh, things. It was the one with like the, uh, the, the, the Roman themed episode, wasn't it? Yes. Or one of the Roman themed episodes. There's at least two. Yes. But yeah, he's a good actor. Sadly, this was his last film. He died during production. He had finished all of his um, scenes. Yeah, this was his last movie. So yeah, sad. It just, I just, it, it's, it was just, I don't know. It was boring. You know what I mean? I just can't. Yeah. No other word for it. Tried to be a Hammer film, I think. Yeah, you can see some of that stuff in there. You know, grabbing the girls, they're all fainting. They got to do the Princess Carrie, blah blah blah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Take them to the take them to the villain, quote unquote, and then naughty things happen to them, or or horrible things happen to them in this particular case. Yeah, it's uh, it has some it, it has some throwbacks to certain tropes. It has some throwbacks to certain influences from British film. And others, it had uh, a pointless American character who was just there to be a dick for one of the other female characters. Uh, he was cardboard. One of the blandest actors I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. Although, like Superman, he had an amazing transformation when he took his glasses off. Glasses on, he was Michael Caine. Glasses off, he was Burt Lancaster. Yeah. <laughs> And always wore brown for some reason. Yes, Entirely. brown. The, the the color of the 70s was definitely yeah. brown. Well, all right, brown and orange. There wasn't a lot of orange in this. <laughs> so what about some good points for the movie? We all know how bad it is. What's a couple of good points? Um, some of the science fiction mumbo jumbo, a little bit of it was actually interesting when they started talking about it at the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. I mean, not the time lapse crap. That was just dull. But when when uh, I can't remember the guy's name, Doctor Loomis and CIA guy or whatever, were right. talking about the scientific implications of enhanced evolution. That was actually kind of interesting. I, I think it had a premise that just went off the rails when it was like, I I, I must experiment on naked people, and uh, well, oh, yeah, man. naked women in particular. It didn't have. It had some ideas, but it didn't have the budget. No, no. That was definitely the case. Although, for the time, for the budget, that face prosthetic that they had Tom Baker wear was actually not that bad. Right. Really. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the plant monsters were worse than, than that. And oh, even I- the plant monsters weren't that bad for the time. No, it would have been, you know. I mean, to have a full, to have a dude, all right, to have a man in suit. And not have it look like, you know, oh, I can see the seams where the gloves and the sleeves meet and stuff like that. Well, they had some good, there were some creepy scenes in there. The, the, yeah. when, the when the quote unquote freaks gathered together at the end. That I was gotta, I gotta say that was, that was good casting and good use of the, the, uh, cinematography when those actors got their moment. Or, or had a couple of their moments, or they had one moment that was emotional 
where you had the Tom Baker character freak out on him during a birthday party for one of of the little people. Uh, many of them were little people. And then you had the other where they all got to have their moment of triumph over their oppressor. And uh, I mean, it was very, very good use of low angle photography, mm-hmm. of photography where you had them coming at the camera. That was actually not bad. And to be perfectly frank, even even in a movie like this, it's nice to see that they cast real people with those type of, for lack of a better term, mutations, tying it back to the movie, uh, versus like, you know, oh, you, you will always be blocked in a chair and you'll, you know, you'll, you'll throw around little puppet tentacles or something. I got to give them credit for actually casting people who, had these different types of of mutations in the film, even though their characters, you know, weren't the focal point of the film, weren't weren't treated that well. They were all treated horribly, but at least they were authentic. Yeah, horribly in the context of the movie, though. Within yeah, the context yeah. of the movie, I mean, they granted, yeah. granted, granted. Within the context of the story, they were treated horribly. Yeah, okay. Because the characters themselves were not looked on as, I don't know, like. They weren't looked on as, I don't know what I'm trying to say. They they were regular, normal characters. You know, you know what I mean? They didn't go out of their way to make them really weird outside of their physical appearance. You only had that one scene of the actual show where they did that. The rest of the time, it was all behind the scenes where they could express themselves. Right. That was and what that, I That was neat. That it was, um, it was movie bars pretty heavily in places from Todd Browning's Freaks. Oh, yes. Definitely. But unlike Freaks, in a lot of places, they actually portray the the circus performers in a very sympathetic light. Yes, that's the word, sympathetic. Yep. They didn't try to make them creepy, freaky, right. you know, like abnormal or something like that. Yeah, just normal. Not to keep using the words like that. I mean, to show the contrast, but it just... They had normal lives, normal people. They just were in a bad situation. Their circumstance was just different from everyone else's. Yeah. And they were just portrayed human. They weren't given any kind of weird kind of um, bad personality or anything like that. They were just, you know, they were just doing their thing, trying to get by. Yeah. And that was interesting because they only highlighted that for the actual show performance scene. In every other case, it could have been in terms of the character interaction with the other character, you know, take the quote unquote freak show element out of it. It could have been cast by anybody. So in that case, they really were treating these people as people when they weren't on stage. And that, that aspect of it was, was nice to see. Yeah. Yeah. It was also interesting to see some, so many American type performers, you know, like the, the, the Popeye guy, he was an American. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember if uh, if the uh, Miguelito actor is American or British. I can't remember. The alligator lady was American because she said she was from North Carolina. I'm assuming yeah. all that stuff was true. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know why they make up an extra backstory for them. That would just right. cost them more money. Exactly. I mean, just. She just tells her little quick story, and that's what they all did for the most part. It, that those that scene though was heavily edited. Yeah, 
they did a lot of cuts and they shorted a lot of people's I got a feeling that was going to be that was going to be a longer it had to be a longer scene but they cut the hell out of it so they also had to get it past the British censor board which I I, I don't remember how closely this plays to the whole video nasty thing that came out I can't remember if that started in the seventies or purely in the eighties. That was the video cassette boom was really in play. That was an eighties thing. That was an eighties thing. But I don't know what the British censorship or ratings board was like pre video nasty either. They might have not have been able to show things like the human pin cushion actually piercing his body. Yeah, that's uh, that's possible. Well, that could be that's that could be true. Yeah, that's why maybe that was why it was so edited. They were somebody was looking at it and said, "Nope, can't show that. Can't show that. Can't show that." The BBC edited or, or refused to uncensor. I guess I should say a vaudeville style comedian's song that simply had innuendo in it. Uh, it's uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but the song is "When I'm Cleaning Windows." And uh, he, uh, I mean, there's things, there's verses in that, like, uh, it's all about a guy who cleans windows on like a flat buildings and whatnot. And he's like, you know, the, the, the bride, she looks divine, the groom, he seems to be doing fine. And then they pull down the blind when I'm cleaning windows, something like that. I'm totally mixing up two different verses, but it's that level of innuendo that, during a performance for the royal family live in like 41 or 42, uh, the Queen Mother requested that he sing the song unedited and oh. enjoyed it so much, supposedly she had him sing it multiple times. <laughs> but the BBC still put their foot down. It's like, nope, the general public cannot handle this level of innuendo. So it could have been something from, you know, stemming from the BBC to a larger film censorship board. That, of course, is just an assumption. I, I don't know enough about the British history of film itself <laughs> to be able to say this, but I know things of that nature bled into the whole video nasty thing in the 80s. Oh, yeah. People freaked out during that time, which that would make an interesting discussion in itself. Yeah. Um, so maybe we can use that later because that whole thing about the video nasty on, on this side of the pond here the satanic panic and yeah all the, all the shit that that's something i would like to discuss sometime all the, that um, that all would that be stuff. interesting because i actually <clears throat> had to attend one of those sermon things when i was a kid oh god yeah well we'll definitely come back to that at a later date then yeah let's make a note of that because that that's going to be interesting because one, one, if not both of you, had the same sort of experience in college where the guy was like, you know, what if I were to sing Satan wants to blah, blah, blah. And you said your roommate was like, yeah, but I listen to good music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's Back funny. to the movie. Anything yes. else to say about it? No, I mean, check it out. I mean, it's interesting for its time. If you want to see Tom Baker and something besides Doctor Who. Or Sinbad. Yeah. That yeah. Is, it's an interesting performance. His character has a deformity that looks very similar to Elephant Elephantitis. Is that the name of yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, his, his deformity is it's like a huge growth and, and misshapen part of his head. And it's driving him crazy. 
because he he has such a strong desire to be quote unquote normal. All right. His words, not ours, his words. Exactly correct. But it's it's really wearing on him. I mean, through the context of the film, you get the point that he's yearning for love and he he can't find any woman because he's looking for a woman. He can't find any woman who can see past his physical deformity and the loneliness is literally driving him crazy, which is, again, you get through implication in the story is his motivating factor for joining this this mad professor semi well mad he is experimenting on humans mad <laughs> professor and his experiments so um so yeah it's he, he's semi sympathetic but he's also awful at the same time because he is complicit in the eventual murder of several people as well as treating the rest of the freak show performers horribly yep and here's where the movie borrows from um, the brain that wouldn't die because Tom Baker's character becomes the assistant to the mad scientist who's try who's promising he's going to fix him, quote unquote, fix him, but never actually gets around to it. Just like the guy in the brain that wouldn't die. Yeah. If, if he doesn't blow him off, he's feeding him basically empty promises here. Look yeah. at this weird thing through the microscope. I'm developing this for you. Yeah. Yeah, another movie trope, you know, that you, that's been done a hundred times. Exactly. But, you know, give it, a, give it a whirl. You might like it. It's better than the last couple of films we've watched for this series. I'll put it that way. Um, Definitely true. better than Gas. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's it's not saying much. Much better than Christmas Shoes. But, um, yeah. Um, it's at least interesting. It's at least an interesting film to watch. Uh, from a standpoint of, of seeing celebrities... Before they really came out in, in fantastic roles. I mean, this was before, right before Doctor Who for Tom Baker and before Halloween for Donald Pleasance. Yep. Yeah. But after The Great Escape. So it was one of the <laughs> little dip in his career. That's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't really remember him much from The Great Escape. Right. I remember right. James Garner more from The Great Escape than Donald Pleasance. But yes, he was definitely a part of it. <laughs> Okay, uh, I think uh, I think we're about uh, done and tired for this one. So yeah, uh, it's an interesting film, uh, definitely in terms of his of history. Uh, yeah. It's not an interesting film in terms of production value necessarily or story. But yeah, check it out if you'd like. Uh, it's called The Mutations. Uh, that's what it was built in, built as in the credits. Uh, I know that it also goes by another name of the Freak Makers. Check it out if you can. We found it on Amazon, and I have seen it on Tubi, T-U-B-I. And yeah, check it out if you'd like to. We'll have a commentary track coming soon, as always. So Exactly. And speaking of, how can everybody get a hold of us, guys? Well, we have a website, mlctaskforce.com. Uh, we're on Twitter. Still on Twitter. Uh yep. yeah. <laughs> At MLC underscore task force. I uh, will be setting up a Mastodon account eventually. Just haven't gotten around to it. And we have a Facebook group. Right. And a, a dormant YouTube channel, which one day we'll we, put something on. YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. I know. We have to do something with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. I've actually got a video idea, but that's, a, that's another story. Never yeah. mind. Uh, anyway, thank you very much for listening. Uh, thank you very much for your support. Yeah, go check out this this really weird little movie. I can't say it's good, 
<laughs> but it 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 is it is right. interesting in in its own way. Yeah. All right. So signing off. This is Rando. This is Pancho. This is Lefty. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Y'all take care.